0: now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch, wrestling you've been put on notice. Uh, Let's get ready to ramble!
1: What's up? This is the Botchnut Podcast number twenty-two. And this week we're talking about two movies in our horror season, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies and Goldberg's Santa's Slay. As always, you're with me, Benito, and my good pal Basil.
0: Hey Ben, are you are you looking forward to watching Shane Douglas pretend to eat with his fake family as much as I am?
1: I never want to see anything Shane Douglas does ever again
0: we got a lot to unpack with Shane Douglas today, but yeah.
1: <laughs> well, uh, before we get into the movies, I just want to give you a little fun fact. Um, I always today... love your fun
0: facts. they have gone missing recently.
1: Yeah, so today, the day of recording, not the day that this will go up, is the anniversary of Brock Lesnar squashing Kofi Kingston's title reign.
0: Wow, uh, Smackdown Live on Fox. Feels was like two years ago. I, I'm still bitter about that. I think the rest of the world is as well. Because Kofi never even got a rematch, man. That's not a good fun fact. That's a horrible memory. What an awful start to the podcast. Start as we mean to go, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I completely forgot Kofi was even champion. Kofi was champion
0: for a good six, seven months. And I actually went to a couple of house shows that he was champion on. And everybody was really up for it. I remember the general vibe of Kofi Kingston being champion, uh, being unanimously well-received apart from the actual matches
1: oh he was the most over guy
0: that's what i don't really case. understand about that whole championship run the The feuds weren't really hot the matches weren't necessarily great but he must have make, been making a ton of money i don't know why he got the rug pulled from him so quickly and so fast like that and then never even got a chance to retaliate or have like a comeback money match
1: i think yeah i think a rematch would have done would have been huge.
0: i think it would have made some serious money man
1: would have been great Oh, well, poor Kofi. He's all
0: right. He'll come he's back. Had his,
1: he's had his time with it now. I don't think he'll... He's making,
0: he's making some dollar. he would be all right. I'm, I will assume that in three or four years, Vince McMahon will run out of boring champions again and Kofi will be thrusted back up into the limelight for a couple of months, maybe as a caretaker champion. Do you
1: think Kofi will get the belt back ever? Yeah, I
0: think I think he'll get the belt back. Oh. I, I, so, I, so they're just building up uh Biggie as a single star right now. That's eventually going to turn heel. And I can see a Kofi Biggie money match. Maybe not WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. They've got to do it at some point. Yeah, we
1: talked about that like 10 episodes ago. We were predicting it would be Kofi versus. Yeah, Biggie. they've
0: got Kofi Biggie ready made because Kofi can say, well, I didn't go for a rematch with Brock because I wanted to go become a tag team with you. But then you left me while I was injured and became a champion. And now you're rubbing it in my face, you know? I would like to see Kofi Kingston try heel for once. I think it would be interesting.
1: Mm, I'm not sure if Kofi's got it in him to be a bad guy.
0: Well, first of all, Ben, I just wanted to ask you just quickly what your favorite piece of wrestling was this week because obviously we watched two movies this week. One of them was fun. One of them was terrible. And you you must have had um, unrelated wrestling content in your life I just wondered what your highlight was. It could be modern, current, or it could be something that you're watching on YouTube from 1972. Just just wondered what you liked this week.
1: Um, this week as a whole, like AEW was killing it. But uh, just a quick shout out to Joker Sting, because I've been binge watching that today. I don't know why, it just came up on my feed.
0: So what sort, of period, what sort of period was that from?
1: That's 2015 TNA.
0: Oh, I wasn't. I was not watching back then. Is that when EC3 was coming coming up? That's why I don't remember it because obviously, Joker Sting was uh, a part of the company way after everybody left it, from wrestlers, promoters to. Yeah, fans. sure.
1: So this is when Bobby Roode is the champion. Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan are running the company. Uh, I think EC3 is on the card, but he's like mid card. Um, and Joker has just been, has gone crazy. It's obviously like related to the release of the Dark Knight, um, and his face paint's all messed up. And he, but he's showing that he's a really good actor, far better than Shane Douglas, which we'll get into. But Sting can act, and his promos are just great. Like you believe that he's gone crazy.
0: The only thing I remember about that gimmick was the face paint, like the red, white, and black, just because it was an image change. And it was funny that you mentioned this because I have watched an interview with Sting. I think it was a table for three. I don't know whether you saw that. I think it was Sting, Kurt Angle, and AJ. And Sting was talking about how, personally, his favorite period of his career was joker sting just because he had so much fun with it and he felt like he completely rejuvenated himself yet again
1: you can tell he's having fun because he's definitely off script he's just doing whatever he wants and um kurt angle just has to try and keep up with him it's quite funny
0: Um, i mean kurt angle again this podcast saving graces everywhere I love me a bit of Angle. I watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Kurt Angle podcast, which is re- really, really good. goes into a deep diver's career. And you can tell that they've got so much respect for each other. I would kind of recommend that. Who? St- Not as primary viewing, but background viewing. No, uh, Kurt Angle and Stone Cold Steve Austin dropped uh, at one of those podcast right. shows this week.
1: Kurt Angle was coming up during Stone Cold was at the top, well, wasn't he? So,
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Angle says that he learned everything that he knew from Austin and learned to watch every match from Austin. So he'd watch prelims, pre-show, straight up to he was needed in main event just so that he could see what sort of holds people were putting on, what sort of moves they were doing, which he directly took from Austin. I I think that's a, a, a nice little conversation that the two have that dropped this week but that's not my, my favorite thing that i watched uh I, I actually for some reason i was very bored i watched a documentary on eric bischoff which was really fascinating Is it on network or have is you it seen is it this his own thing yeah, it's on network
1: okay i haven't seen it so he
0: got into he got into the wrestling business by selling really really bad uh ninja fighting uh apparel for kids And went up to I think Greg Garnier and said, Hey, can I promote this ninja fighting apparel for kids on your television show? And then Greg Garnier said, Yeah, sure, can you also like run the cameras for me? And that's how Eric Bischoff made it big. And it it chanced his whole sort of career from that into the death of WCW. And when he's on a motorbike saying, Oh, it's good to be king, you know, and those like horrible, like the pure um, egotistical promos that he did towards the end of WCW. I'd really recommend watching it. It's about an hour, probably tell you a lot more about WCW than you know at the moment. I don't know why I mentioned that. I just thought it was cool. So, Joe, we got Joker, Sting, and Eric Bischoff this week, which is a weird combination.
1: It's a weird combination. It sounds like a good watch. I always thought Bischoff was a TV guy, um, like he was involved in television before he got into wrestling, and then wrestling overtook his life. But
0: no, it's pretty weird. He was sales. He was a salesman and he a model. and uh, A he, model? He was trying to. Yeah, dude. Of he was like a professional model. That's how he met his wife. Jesus.
1: He's and not... he decided
0: to just sell this ninja stuff that his friend came up with and somehow fell into the wrestling business. He's not that good looking, though, is he? Oh, he's, a, he's a pretty handsome man. Is he? I, I think. I don't think I, I've ever looked at him that long. long.
1: Fair
0: enough. <laughs> Fair enough. i don't think most people have man a lot of people have a a very sort of quiet fuck off presence with with eric bischoff there's a there's a lot of talking heads on that documentary which just really destroyed him demolished him the only there's one bit where rick flair doesn't turn up for the rest of the program all he does was say uh, you would never believe the amount of disrespect that man gave me. And then you just never see Flair again. Yeah. Because I assume Bischoff uh, executively produced. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rick Flair just had nothing nice to say.
0: No, no. So he got cut straight from the, from the get-go. He was just there for the hype piece.
1: Okay, so let's talk about our least favorite wrestling moment of this week. So yeah. we both watched Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies, which is, I want to call it a B-movie, but I don't even think it's that, a film that was released on DVD in 2014 um, by a fairly unknown director, uh, but with a star-studded cast. So we got Roddy Piper, Matt Hardy, Kurt Angle, Shane Douglas, Jim Duggan, and Ruby Skye in this thing.
0: You also have uh, uh, Sylvester Turkey playing a zombie. I- I'm not sure whether you've ever heard of Sylvester Turkey, but he had like a two-month run on SmackDown where they were trying to make him into a sort of early prototype of Rusev. And he is on camera for about half a minute trying to eat Kurt Angle's neck. Okay. I thought I'd add that in. But what I knew what... It- I knew what I was expecting as soon as the Troma sign came up.
1: <laughs>
0: Do you know of Troma? No. Right. So that well, they their claim to fame is the Toxic Avenger, which is like a guy, a gangrene guy, like killing people with sludge and stuff, which somehow got made into a children's television show at one point. But we've also done such classics as uh, Poultrygeist: Night of the Chicken Dead. Uh, they did "Surf Nazis Must Die." They did "Uh, Trauma and Juliet," which is a naked woman on the front cover. Fag hag, beardedactyl woman from Beverly Hills. You get the picture.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so once I realised that Trauma was had something to do with this film, I immediately felt sorry for you because at some point in your lifetime you purchased this dvd for money
1: i bought it from kex and um i've been very excited for years to unwrap it and watch it (laughs) just waiting for an excuse really um thoroughly disappointed (laughs) um so the guy that plays the wrestling promoter in this movie um he's the director
0: Yes, and he directs himself into all sorts of skeezy situations.
1: Sure, he does. Uh, so his name is Cody Knotts, and I tried to look up about uh, some information about this guy, and it looks like he's made a series of B-movie slasher films. That's his go-to thing. Um, I want to read you a review for one of his earliest films called The Breeding Farm. Okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Here we go. So The Breeding Farm seems to be some sort of film about um, a load of women and men are thrown into this house and they are bred like cattle for whatever reason. Um oh,
0: Christ. Here's,
1: here's the review of his film. How does one describe this film? Low budget, certainly, disjointed trash, and as many abbreviations as you can think of. There is, of course, nothing wrong with low budget films, even low budget horror films. This has been called horror, although it isn't in the classical sense, as there's nothing supernatural or mystical about it. But you have to wonder, how sick are the minds behind this, and why would anyone, especially women, submit themselves to such willingly degrading actions and at, oh, such, a, <laughs> at such, a, such a low rate, which clearly is not here. Seriously, this film plunges into depths of human depravity and has no artistic merit. Um, that is actually taken from a magazine in America.
0: Well, I've just looked up this form and internet movie database I'm not even going to talk about them, but I mean, they've just uh, given me recommendations you might also like. Mm. And they're just lots and lots of pictures of women with covers that say Amuse Me, Forgive Me. Uh, There's one here called Ant Farm, Dick Hole. Uh, Yeah, you took me down some routes that I didn't want to go with this movie.
1: Right, so you get the idea. This Cody Knotts guy is just doing like trash B-movies. Stuff that only weirdos buy in special types of shops but before (laughs) (laughs) um, before he was a filmmaker if you can call him that um, he had quite a prolific uh, career as a journalist in his hometown he was actually the editor of the town newspaper Um, (laughs) yeah so I'm not too sure how you go from that to making a movie wrestlers versus zombies but he
0: we're all one step away from Cody Knotts, mate. I hope not. <laughs> well, I mean we're we're half we're both halfway there, you know.
1: Right. So then... all we
0: need is a job the, the the town paper as a as a journalist and we're ready to go.
1: Sure, okay. I, I just can't believe that this guy's making these rubbish films and then somehow he manages to get the likes of Kurt Angle and Roddy Piper involved in this thing.
0: So this is, this is a thing that I was interested in. I, I once got really interested in the idea of direct-to-DVD films and how I read an article basically saying, like, you, you, you're latter-day Steven Seagal's, that sort of thing. And I once read an article about the fact that these get made just to, just about enough enough to make an enough money to make the next one. So they're, ne- they're, they're never quite in a lost, but they never make money. They're just they survive by churning out like a like a like a monthly normal nine to five job. They don't make a, a loss. They don't make a gain. They just churn them. I think but this is another level, and I'm actually quite insulted by the fact that you keep calling this a B movie. This is not a B movie.
1: Oh no, uh, I, film... I know. I just I just don't know how else to classify it.
0: How are these films made uh, to the point where the production companies and the directors can go on to make others? How does this exist?
1: Oh, so this Cody Knots guy who wrote it and directed it—he um, funds all of his movies. He uh, this movie actually got uh kickstarted.
0: I saw I saw that the budget was two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and I was trying to figure out what they did with that money after the wrestlers, which was probably about ten dollars, right? That was their entire budget, I would assume.
1: Well, and not that you could really tell because most of this film was in pure darkness. The cinematographer is. <laughs> Used a light in his life, but apparently, the makeup uh, there's a quote from Kurt Angle the makeup took two, five hours to put on, so it sounded like they put a lot of effort, yeah. It sounds like they put a lot of effort into
0: trying to make these zombies look good. Um, mm, come off it. Kurt Angle had a salami sandwich hanging on his head. There's no way that took five hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sighs> oh, right! you could tell cut angle was expensive as well he was only in two scenes about five minutes of the entire thing
0: cut angle was one of the best parts of the movie for me
1: oh for me that scene with Roddy Piper
0: which well there's lots of scenes of Roddy Piper I read that Roddy Piper was on set 13 out of the 16 days that they filmed this piece of shit he must have really enjoyed his time <laughs> yeah,
1: I think he was the only one putting any effort into this. Anyway, so uh let's talk about the synopsis quickly before the actual quality of the movie.
0: Well they, they um, did the synopsis for you, bro. The room is sorry. the only place you can kill someone and get away with it. Yeah, those words open the film. With a with an eye, which for no reason there's just a an eye. An I.
1: Yes. I, I think that's is not that not the um um production logo. I was
0: already not paying attention. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. So I want to talk about what really started this film off. Um, I've very rarely seen films that just let you know on their sleeve that they're really, really awful straight from the get go. Then pro wrestlers versus zombies who are obviously filming partially this stuff i assume at a disused sorry like a a military uh, camp uh disused military site the bunker sort of stuff where they have indie shows in america sometimes yeah what amazed me with this thing is that they've got a caliber of, of at least wrestling talent if not acting talent they couldn't even be bothered to find a independent show with fans in it.
1: Yeah, there's like 15 people at this independent show. Yeah, they clearly
0: right? show like all of the empty stalls all around them. We have been to independent shows that are bigger than that. Yeah pretty small ones as well. Yep. I just I I mean that from the get go just baffled me. Like <laughs> could you not find one other independent wrestling show where you can go talk to the promoter and say this movie's got Roddy Piper in it. This movie's got Jim Duggan in it. Can we film at your show for five minutes? You know?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. well, to even be like, oh, um, Roddy Piper will come turn up at your event. You know? I guess This
0: doesn't hold that level of uh, excitement. N-
1: n- no, he doesn't, does
0: he? <laughs> <laughs> so Shane <Jake laughs> is announcing this indie show, by the way. Did you notice yeah, that? But I-
1: yeah, no, I did. I, I, I did write that down. I got a feeling uh, when this movie was made, um, she was kind of everywhere anyway.
0: Well, I've never seen her since. I assume this is st- like so almost directly after TNA let, let her go.
1: Mm, and then I think she was working like all of the independents at that point. Yeah. So I don't think she was meant to be in this film. She was just at the show they were filming. <laughs> she, she's not credited in, in the movie.
0: It does kind of feel like a lot of these people just wandered in and out again. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It felt a lot like Matt Hardy didn't actually realize he was being filmed. You know? he, he was just fucking
1: his wife in some room. Turns out <laughs> okay,
0: I can't, We're gonna have to go through this chronologically because I could just get lost in in how bad this is. Um okay, so the movie starts off at this
1: independent show that's really shitty. Uh we're backstage with Shane Douglas and he catches his girlfriend making out with some guy, right? And this pisses him off. And that this guy's making out with his girlfriend, has a match with Shane Douglas, and to get his revenge, Shane Douglas decides to purposely fuck up a pole driver, which ends up killing the dude in the ring. Uh the guy's brother is ringside and just is severely angry. Thank
0: um, you for for uh, explaining one significant plot hole to me. I did not see the the guy's brother at ringside. Uh, I mean,
1: he was there, Yeah, he okay. Was there.
0: Okay. Um, and then also, that looked like a really safe power driver.
1: <laughs> like the most important thing to start the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was really slow you know like an old guy
0: well like a Shane you know? Douglas <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright um, was it supposed to be saliva coming out of the dead guy's mouth because it looked like milk
1: <laughs> yeah like he was frothing right like he'd just gone into a seizure or not
0: something. even that it, it looked it looked unseemly
1: yep <laughs> so <laughs> So, the next scene is the evil brother, who apparently is Irish, which was really off-putting the entire time.
0: He was was supposed to be Scottish. (laughs) Scottish. (laughs) 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 Uh, It was one of the worst accents I've ever heard, man. And they had uh, free domain classical music over the top, with like poor midi beats, which I loved. okay you carry on
1: <laughs> so, so he's meeting with this promoter which is the director of the movie who can't act to save his life I don't know why he put himself in the movie so the evil brother wants a private wrestling show which apparently is a real thing I thought that was creepy as fuck but apparently it's a real thing
0: oh no dude uh, this um, is the dark side of the business I've heard quite a bit about this
1: um... I learned this from Jordan Grace
0: Oh, I didn't know about Jordan Grace. He
1: uh, used to run an all-women's private wrestling show. Oh, okay. Uh, like, nothing... Well, I guess it is kind of sexual, but they wouldn't do any sexual acts, but guys would just watch women wrestle.
0: Th- this is a raw thing. Like, not just private... Sometimes it, it can go from sort of private wrestling shows where rich people just want to watch two guys pretend to have a match, and sometimes it can get really seedy as well. And this is a, a raw life... Yeah. That happens. It, like wrestling snuff, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so the promoter, well, the guy, the evil guy says he specifically wants um Shane Douglas, obviously, to have his revenge. Um, uh, and, and the then,
0: girlfriend.
1: And the girlfriend, yeah. And then the promoter is just like, Well, you've given me all this money. This doesn't sound like any real wrestling promoter ever, but you've <laughs> given me all this money, so I'm gonna throw in Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy's girlfriend, uh, Thomas Rodman? Or Dennis Rodman? Oh,
0: who, no, dude, Dennis, who? who... It must, it's, um, okay, so the only thing I found out about Thomas Rodman is that the role was uh, uh, originally supposed to be given to Dennis Rodman, right? who quite obviously was not interested. And all else I know about Thomas Rodman was that he was part of the Blue World Order with the blue meanie as a okay. Donald, uh, sorry, a Dennis Rodman impersonator. And I, I just, the only thing I've got about this guy is that it, it must be pretty sad. Uh, no offense to him to be a Dennis Robman impersonator in 2014.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was halfway through the film when, when they're in the prison thing, and I, I was looking at a screen like that really looks like Dennis Rodman. There's no way that guy's in this movie.
0: It's kind of it's kind of the equivalent, at least for British people, of somebody being a professional. It's Chico time impersonator, you know. Oh
1: my god! <laughs> right,
0: um, and then he also offers for some
1: porn stars to show up.
0: Yeah. So right. So basically, this guy's brother has been murdered by Shane Douglas over a, a lady. Um, And he really wants revenge and he wants to kill Shane Douglas. And there's a moment where the promoter asks him, hey, do you want to kill all of these famous wrestlers as well? And he goes, yeah, okay, sure.
1: He also offers uh, Kurt Angle, but then the evil guy says bring Kurt Angle in as a surprise.
0: (laughs) So we're like, we're still booking a show. It's just murder.
1: Yeah, that adds nothing to the story. Most things people say in the dialogue adds nothing to the
0: story. There was a lot of moments, and we get into them later. But there was a lot of moments which made me cringe. Uh, just as a wrestling fan, I can only imagine an actual wrestler watching this, where they're trying to use, and they get wrestlers to do it as well. And it's it's really embarrassing where they they're using like wrestling lingo, mm. uh, and it's it's. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so we have an
1: establishing shot outside of a hospital. There's, like, zombie noise playing over, so we think that the zombie apocalypse has already happened. Um, We're we're just following this woman. She goes towards um, a stretcher that's just outside these hospital doors, pulls back a blanket, and it's just... A colleague, I guess, pulling a prank on her, and she tells him to fuck off. Uh, we never you see-
0: forget. You forget. You forget that uh, she there's a really bad image of a mirror cracking and like black smoke coming out of her mirror.
1: Oh, yeah, like her makeup mirror or something, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Did mm. she doesn't tell him to fuck off? She said, "This is why you never get laid."
1: Mm. This movie is unnecessarily highly sexual. <laughs>
0: You can say that Fair. that's uh <laughs> that's corn syrup. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. True, true. Right. Um, um so then you cut to some sort of sacrifice scene in a in a disused theatre.
1: So the evil Scottish guy, not Irish guy, um has kidnapped her and he's doing a ritual, he he cuts her, he eats her heart and now she's a zombie. After and...
0: her... For no Uh, reason,
1: it was very rapey. I thought something else was going to happen, and I was just going to not enjoy the film at all.
0: Yeah, it was very uncomfortable, especially Um, for Saturday night viewing.
1: So, Uh, so is Evil Guy a zombie, or can he just control zombies?
0: Evil Guy is the zombie master. I think he's he's uh, developed some Cajun powers from his time on the New Orleans independent scene. And he's, uh, he's curated. Uh, I'm putting more fucking backstory into this than they probably yeah, so do.
1: I'm
0: not um, gonna do their work for them. But I did like the fact that the ghost says really seriously, "Now you can obtain justice against Shane Douglas."
1: Yeah, this whole zombie apocalypse is just to kill Shane Douglas. Really think about that—a <sighs> zombie apocalypse to plague the world. To just get revenge on a wrestler that changed the
0: move. I'm sorry, but I mean, Shane Douglas had an excellent run as the first ECW champion. And I remember enjoying him as a child uh, when he was in WCW. I, I actually had his action figure. But Shane Douglas, this film is centered around Shane Douglas. Well,
1: it's not even though, is it? I think the movie gets confused about who the protagonist is halfway through. Uh, uh, Roddy Piper has more dialogue and scenes and is more of a relatable um, character that you actually want to support
0: What well, uh, the good guy that spits on a woman really violently <laughs> <laughs> that's the best you get that's a, that's a good guy I forgot about you're that red, you, he says later in the movie you, you're a red headed stepchild you're the reason for legal abortions yes. <sighs> This dialogue, man, is is something else. It really is. Have you, we cut to one of my favorite scenes, which is Shane Douglas sitting eating dinner with his mum and his family and his nephew. And
1: his um his uh sister in law who he seems to hate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And his nephew's wearing a Shane Douglas shirt from like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Shane Douglas is trying here.
1: I, I think this was early on in the shoot and Shane Douglas tried on the first couple of days and then uh, realized how much effort making a movie is and gave up. Yeah. So yeah. he leaves after giving his nephew a little prep, uh, pep talk. Uh, it seemed like the kid was going to be way more important to the film, but he didn't really come back until the end, which was unnecessary. Um, and evil uh, zombie nurse came in and ate all of Shane's family.
0: To another uh, lovely example of free domain music, which sounded like Luigi's Man- Mansion from GameCube.
1: It did at some point. It felt like there was just music playing constantly, but it wasn't like a nice score. It was just a cut, and then a different song immediately played.
0: I've watched I've watched uh, a lot of Horror Channel films. I used I used to tape them. Uh, and then watch them at like two in the morning when I came in from my job. And they're all really, really awful. A lot. Well, most of them are better than this, honestly. But there is a, a trend, I think, of Z-list films where they just pump the generic free-domain rock music as hard as possible to try mm-hmm. and distract you from what's actually being filmed, which is, I guess, one way of, of filmmaking.
1: It's not a good way you don't really want to distract any time you're using something as a distraction is not good
0: i feel like most of the population could probably take the talent that they had and make a better film than this
1: yeah i mean there was glimpses of roddy piper actually being a like, slightly believable
0: well roddy roddy had a a, a movie career really it wasn't it wasn't obviously the level of Hogan or Batista or whatever, but he had a movie career for a, a, quite a prolonged time in the late '80s and the early '90s, in which he starred in actual B movies. Uh, he, he did a great one with I can't remember the name of it, but he did a great one with Billy Blanks, which was just a, a you know a really low budget action movie, but it was made with the intent of. Being decent enough to be watchable, and Roddy was pretty good to that. And obviously, he was also in Hell Comes to Frogtown, which is a class, a, a B movie classic. So he knew what he was doing here. Like he, he was far and beyond one of the best things on on the film. And it, I mean, he was just completely wasted, really.
1: And that's why that's what I meant when Roddy Piper really should have been the protagonist all along. He's the only person really really that you can support i mean shane douglas is just an evil human being uh, well i'll let you
0: i'll let you know i'll let you know in a minute why shane douglas was the protagonist once we get there
1: uh next scene uh shane and roddy piper are outside a building uh roddy piper's first uh opening image in this movie is just him stood signing some autographs and he gets a couple of lines that aren't important then the marketing woman did you catch her name? Because on my notes, she's just the marketing woman all the way through. I, don't,
0: I feel like they, I don't think it's us being rude. I feel like they mentioned her name maybe once in an hour and a half. I've just right. got the female protagonist.
1: Right. So I, I got out. marketing woman. Uh, she shoots fuck me eyes at Roddy Piper. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, she goes in to talk about marketing with Cody Notch, the, the promoter guy. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, we're missing stuff here. We're missing oh. stuff. You gotta you gotta what? get with the this is some, some some grade A shit, mate. Why, what is so, what I miss? Well you forgot to the fact that Roddy Piper is around a crowd of children who are completely silent while he cackles over and over again and talks about how much he loves children. Mm. Okay. Which was a little bit off. But you also missed uh, Shane Douglas's little dialogue. Maybe it was before, I don't know. Shane Douglas talks about his checks bouncing. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. He's in a meeting with the promoter and they argue
0: over money. Yeah, so he said his checks bounce from Paul Heyman, which is known in the business. Paul Heyman's checks bounced yep. a lot. Yep. Jim Crockett. Never heard of Jim Crockett's checks bouncing, but I'll trust Shane Douglas's words for it. And Vince McMahon!
1: Does he say Vince
0: McMahon? He says Vince McMahon out loud. He said, Vince McMahon, uh, you better not be one of these bullshitters like Vince McMahon whose checks bounce.
1: I think uh, Shane Douglas had a very rocky relationship with Vince and WWE, didn't he?
0: Yeah, and then he then he um, references breaking the neck of Gary Wolf, who was Pitbull number one in ECW. Yeah. It was a very, very strange scene. I. But He's the one that brings the people into the buildings. Don't you forget that. He's the franchise. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, immediately after that
1: meeting is when this woman promoter talks to the... The woman talks to... Anyway, and he tries to fuck her. Um, and it's not clear... Really, she...
0: really uncomfortably. Like, gets in her physical airspace within a second
1: then does she walk away holding his hand or like lures him out of the room like it's implied that it's going down yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's like i her writing was all over the place and like I'm obviously this you know what i'm not even i don't even feel like i'm slandering anyone this 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 was written by a misogynist It definitely feels like it. It, 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 Every female character, the way that it's put together. This is written by somebody that's never really sat down and had a conversation with a woman properly. Um, And this female protagonist has got such a, a bipolar attitude towards what she's achieving and what she wants and what she's doing. And it feels like they're tr- she they're script writing her having sex with random promoter hillbillies to try and leverage herself into a better job and yeah, yeah, then well, she's but... also quite yeah. clearly uh superior to everyone in every way so, and they, they also like throw her off to be uh you know like a, a more intelligent than the rest of the cast
1: yeah, it, they imply that she's whoring herself out because she's clever and she's gaining something. But at no point do we get a character arc where it explains what she's getting out of being with this group of people, what she's trying to achieve and what she's going to win uh, if she beats them or whores herself out to them.
0: It's well, just... Honestly, she she looked like a uh, a professional marketing person who had just wandered into a barn. And is talking to hillbillies. Uh, I
1: I really hated her character. I Really hated it because yeah, she, it, yeah. At, at the mid at the midpoint, um, they make her to, out to be the badass, and she um, at the night is darkest point of the movie, when everything's going wrong, she's the only one keeping it together. But then, right at the end of the movie, uh, she becomes the the damsel in distress, and she needs saving. It, like you
0: said thing, like man, it, it's such a broken I, I don't even know why we're analyzing this to this level but it, it's just such a broken identity of of a character like it was written for four different people and then morphed into one mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense and this this woman uh, uh, was obviously trying very hard to act professionally in this film and do what they said to her like to to, to get some sort of career going and she tried her very best and i thought she was just Landed a complete pile of shit, man. Yeah, honestly. I, it's did you cra- catch? Sorry,
1: it's crazy to think that actual, real actors are involved in this as well as wrestlers and wrestlers' friends. Like, there's there's some actors in this that are seriously trying to have a career. And yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, um, did you catch the name of the promotion? Ah, uh, I forgot. What was it? Uh, Extreme Rising that's it and this is where it gets interesting because i looked this up this extreme rising was a promotion started in 2012 by none other than shane douglas oh okay uh, yeah, right um and in a, a very depressing uh, little bit that i read to create interest for the inaugural show on april the 28th shane douglas undertook a guerrilla marketing campaign which in in included attending the March 19th 2012 episode of WWE Raw Douglas stood up during a match causing cameras to cut away from him and he was escorted out of the area I assume very quietly um, (laughs) without fanfare it just so this was I don't know whether the this opens up a whole can of worms man because this promotion on the door is Shane Douglas's promotion, which has already failed. Like, the first show that they did in 2012, I think, was panned by critics and fans alike, and the entire crowd was booing in the event for three hours about how bad it was. Shane Douglas apologized for the quality of the show and said he would improve. The only champion they ever had was Stevie Richards, which says something in itself. And why then why they, was the
1: show so bad? Do you know?
0: No, I don't know exactly. I couldn't find any clips of it or any copies of it. But um, then they quietly went out of business the same year that this film came out. But, but the main question I've got to ask here is the director, the sleazy, really bad wrestling promoter, is a representative on film. Of Shane Douglas's wrestling promotion that he's trying to promote.
1: Uh, okay, that's weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I really.
1: Shane it Douglas didn't right actually give
0: a positive representation of the company that he went to Raw to to try and have a guerrilla campaign with. Like, he, he obviously put time and effort into this promotion. It just failed on its ass. So I, I really don't understand why he would want the negative connotations, even if we're taking this film seriously, the negative connotations of either this film or the storyline promoter of this company on air at all. I don't know why he would want that to happen.
1: Well, I mean, on paper, this movie's got Roddy Piper and Kurt Angle and Matt Hardy involved. Like on paper, Shane Douglas think probably thinks this is going to be like a... Not a huge success, but a success of some sort and it's having his name connected to it is only going to help his business uh, but why
0: would he but why would he have the extreme rising promoter to be that character?
1: Well, he didn't write the movie though, so the Cody Knotts guy wrote the movie, so i don't I don't know yeah like it's a bad representation, but Shane Douglas probably just wasn't thinking he just probably thought if he could cram his business name in there somehow it's uh exposure isn't it
0: but that explained to me why he had so much camera time i think
1: okay okay because i know the entire arc of of the story like the inciting incident is him killing someone that's the whole reason anything's happening but halfway through the movie it just seems like we're just following roddy piper's story now this is roddy piper's um, adventure and call to arms like and the, the next
0: one. scene is the next scene is really where Roddy becomes like the sort of focal point.
1: Uh, so we're are we on the bus now? All the wrestlers. Oh, the,
0: fuck, the orgy bus, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <The> silent, <laughs> silent orgy bus.
1: So all the wrestlers are on a bus going to the show, and uh, Roddy Piper is giving the marketing woman some advice, although she probably doesn't need it. Uh, Matt Hardy is, <laughs> is is making out with um.
0: Not Ruby Sky. No, that's not Ruby Sky.
1: Oh, is it? Is it not?
0: <laughs> I assume Ruby Sky. I Ruby Sky got a taxi to the prison because she wasn't on this bus.
1: Oh, that's awkward. Um, and then <laughs> so Matt Hardy uh, offers the marketing woman into a threesome. Um, and instead she goes and sits kind of opposite Roddy Piper, and then they continue to make eyes. Like the sexual tension is just unbearable.
0: Shane Douglas and Matt Hardy are also. This is why this is the silent orgy scene because they're 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 one coach seat away from each other and you you've been on a coach I've been on a coach those seats aren't far apart that this is two wrestlers famous wrestlers having basically sex through their clothes with two women who they're not treating particularly nicely. Uh, one seat away from each other with an empty bus. Uh, in silence, mm. bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um. I also love that the fact that she asks. I think she asks why Roddy is friends with Shane Douglas, and the line which was obviously Shane Douglas's input is everyone gets a big head at some point in their career. Inferring that Shane Douglas is at the focal point of his career and is therefore entitled to get a big head because his ego has been created from the success that he currently has.
1: Well, he mentions like five or six times throughout this movie that everyone is turning up to see him. He's the main event. Like He literally gets a guy murdered because he's the main event. And The other guy's a jobber, he puts the butts in seats, brother. And this is what I'm saying like, from a character point of view, this is not someone you want to support. This is, I want to see this guy die first, you know,
0: just the way he treats people, really.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so stuff happens on the way, there's the cafe scene where Roddy Piper, um,
0: spits. Sort of woman, yeah.
1: Uh, Shane Douglas's girlfriend, because Shane Douglas's girlfriend threw water at the marketing woman. Uh, really, no one is a nice human being at this point. Um. So the bus driver stops outside of a prison. Roddy Piper thinks he got the wrong address. The bus driver wants all their mobile phones. Roddy Piper gets in his face saying he doesn't have a phone. <laughs> I, d- I. What the fucking point of this? Like. Everything in a movie has to happen for a reason, right? What's the fucking point if Roddy Piper arguing he doesn't have a phone, if he actually doesn't have a phone and it doesn't play out in the rest of the movie?
0: I think he he is... Everybody has to give their phones so that they can't contact anyone. Yeah. And Roddy Piper has this thing. Uh, it, it became quite apparent in Wrestle House, the the really bad network reality show where they put a load of legends in a house. Roddy has this thing where um, he likes to be. I think he liked to be seen as the sort of lone wolf, old school sort of drifter, like like sort of Rambo type. That's that's what he was going for. So I think this was in, probably inserted by Roddy Piper because he, he he played this character outside of the ring. Um, you can even see it in Louis Theroux's documentary as well, where he is a guy that is outside of the social radar and refuses to be part of the inner fabric of society because he's lone wolf McQuaid, you know, he's, he's Chuck Norris.
1: He plays that exact character in always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. He cameos in about six episodes um, as a professional wrestler. That's a lone wolf sleeps in his car.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, just out of, it's not even something that like I, I put together for this podcast, just watching him uh, react to people and talk to people and represent himself the way that he wants to in documentaries and stuff. He comes across as this guy that wants everybody to know that he is Rambo basically.
1: Okay. But from a storyline perspective, this, um,
0: it didn't make any sense because it didn't, it didn't, Yeah, it didn't do it. It didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't happen. That nothing, um, um, unlike Santa's, unlike Santa's sleigh, which had very crucial uh objects, which you immediately knew would yeah, be well, used in the finale, because that was that a real film up. with a
1: real script. This, is, this felt like back when, uh, like we were kids and we were like learning to make films and we didn't write scripts. We just set up with I a camera. The,
0: I thought of the exact same thing, man. I, I thought of you dressing me up in a in a Grim Reaper costume and pushing me off Hangsbury <laughs> Head. That's, that's what yeah, and, and a lot of film
1: like. students will do that. They'll get the idea of a story, and we'll get there, and we'll film something. And then when they get to the edit, they realise, oh, the first bit we shot makes no sense of the second bit we shot. But like, if you've got stars like Kurt Angle and Roddy Piper, you've got to put more effort into building a proper story.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like people say about really bad films, oh, this is a six form play. This wasn't a six form play. This was a GC a lower GCSE play. This was below six form productions yeah just every single part of the filmmaking process was so bad
1: they go into the prison there um there's a band this is a weird scene there was a band and they were setting up and then they immediately all get attacked by zombies like we know that zombies exist we know that they're this was a super irrelevant um setting up of zombies inside the prison
0: how often do you see a, a band at an indie show?
1: Not often. Uh, maybe it's an American thing. We don't have it
0: over here. I don't think so. I think you you see a band at a wrestling show when it's WrestleMania, which obviously this was going to be.
1: <laughs> well, it's a private show. Maybe the guy just loves rock and wrestling. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Kurt Angle right. turns up uh, in the side entrance. Um, immediately gets attacked. I just—it's super normal to Kurt angle that zombies would be there. He's not freaked out. He's not surprised. He just punches them. Like, did you not? Did you not get that?
0: He's the Olympic machine, man.
1: No, no, but like, if you walk in a building anywhere and there's zombies there, wouldn't you be like, "Oh fuck, what the fuck is this"? Yeah, but I'm these-
0: not cut angle. I'm not gonna just look at them and say, "I think you need an Olympic slam."
1: All these wrestlers just saw these zombies and did not even question it in this in this world zombies are a thing all the time i, I no doesn't
0: that doesn't that tell you something about the wrestling business uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> he i mean he was he was in w w e at the time that e c w rebranded and the first thing that they did was bring out the zombie yeah Kurt angle was in that yeah. Kurt angle saw that stuff he already knows what a zombie looks like
1: okay okay fine uh well, he gets outnumbered and then he becomes a zombie i super wasn't seeing that that was the only thing in this movie that actually surprised me
0: uh, this is one of my two enjoyable moments of the entire hour and a half i had two moments in which i thought that was pretty cool and that was one of them kurt angle turning up which was a pleasant surprise and um, Angle slamming Shane Douglas as a zombie and beating up a couple of zombies. I was there for it.
1: So then all the zombies rush into this uh, arena area where the wrestlers already are. The porn star is holding all the women back and then the male wrestlers go in to fight the zombies. And in the wrestling ring, the only time we're in a wrestling ring, we have Zombie Cut Angle versus Roddy Piper, Shane Douglas and Jim Duggan. And the three of them beat the shit out of Zombie Cut Angle and then, and then he
0: just goes missing.
1: Yeah, then we don't see him the entire like he should have been the main antagonist. This movie would have been much more fun if it was just Kurt Angle and Roddy Piper fighting for 30 minutes.
0: I'm pretty sure that Roddy did this for fun because he didn't need the money. That's why he was there for so much of the filming. And Kurt Angle was trying he... to launch an acting career at this point, wasn't he? Yeah, well it's funny you mention that, man, because I watched The Last Witch Hunter starring Vin Diesel the other day. Uh, which is a, a pretty fun movie, I, I have to admit. It's sort of a, a guilty sort of pleasure film. Kurt Angle turns up for one second of film time. Literally, uh, gone and you've missed it. I had to re—I rewinded the film because I thought I saw Kurt Angle, yeah. and lo and behold, it was Kurt Angle uh, playing a bodyguard, and that was it. No, he's never mentioned. He's never—he doesn't get a line. He doesn't even get more than a second of screen time. Okay, which I thought was pretty sad.
1: That is quite sad. I just look. At-
0: that kind of shows how wrestling is viewed by mainstream public and mainstream Hollywood.
1: Yeah, because I remember towards the end of his TNA days, he was trying to launch a um, a proper acting career. I just did a quick wiki search. Um, have you seen the movie Warrior?
0: Yeah, I remember him in that. He was the one of the MMA fighters that I think. Tom Hardy's brother goes up against. Yeah, well, I mean, that.
1: yeah the entire like um, the arc of the film is that one of the two brothers ends up having to fight uh, Kurt Angle's character. Kurt Angle's character is like the main boss, if you like. Um, and he doesn't have many lines, but obviously he's playing an MMA guy, so he looks really good. Um, that was three years before this movie. Well, I don't know
0: what happened so... to him then, because The Last Witch Hunter was a year after this film. mm-hmm so it was a quick turnaround for Kurt. And he's also in Pain and Gain. I don't remember that.
1: Is that the Rock movie? Yeah, I don't remember him being in that. I didn't bother with that one. Oh, it's good. Anyway, so back to zombies. Um, I mean, at this point, it's literally just an hour of people running around corridors being chased. Like, that that's all there yeah. is. Um, this
0: is where my girlfriend almost immediately fell asleep, and I was really envious because. This was the point where I started to I was I was in good humor before, like up to this point with how bad it actually was and I was just sort of stunned by how bad it was but this was the point where it turns into those z-list churning films where they run out of ideas within 20 minutes and then we have to sit and watch the next hour of them having no budget, no ideas and no good actors.
1: I don't know how to explain it, but they literally just as a group are running around corridors and zombies are chasing them around corridors. And then every now and then one person gets a fight scene and it's a pretty shit
0: fight scene apart from Matt Hardy's. And then that person even dies. I didn't at the point. At the point that Matt Hardy turns up and starts beating a load of zombies up with ladders, I didn't even care about that. The only kick I got out of that is the fact that even in a prison, there's still a cookie cutter trying to (laughs) smash over somebody's head.
1: Yeah, and then he starts scaling up um, some prison bars and then does a big leap off the top. just
0: so, I, like, I, I, you can't even blame budget for this, man. It, it's just so unimaginative. You could take anybody just slightly more talented, with the same getup, the same cameras, and the same budget, and they could have made this look interesting.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about the actual film, because the biggest problem is the lighting. I, I, it seems like they didn't even use a light to begin with. Or they had one like a light fixed on top of the camera. Colors were never coming off the shot, so you could never see the actors off of the background. This was the this was the first problem. The second problem is the cameraman um, held a camera for the first time the day before they started shooting, and and um, he didn't he didn't understand the idea of blocking. Right, so there was there were so many times when more than 3 people were in a shot together and you could see the side or the back of someone's head or someone was someone talking is obscured by someone else running away from a zombie uh, the blocking was awful
0: it's really interesting when you start going into this sort of talk because i don't see this stuff i just have a general feeling that i didn't like mm. it it's really it's really interesting when anybody goes into a topic that they love because they can tell the other person why they didn't like it whereas I was just looking at this and thought this looks worse than a home movie, but I didn't know exactly why. Whereas what you're saying now makes a lot of sense.
1: For sure. The reason you didn't like it is because there was almost no story. No, no, I'm talking, no, I'm
0: talking visually. I'm talking, you're explaining to me, to my brain, exactly why I didn't like it in technical terms that I didn't, I didn't think I mean, about
1: the easiest way to sum it up is colour, like right? Like you watch a sunset or you see a painting that's very vivid in colour, like it opens some sort of like happiness in the back of your mind, even if it you're looking at something that doesn't usually make you happy. Colour, vibrant colour is a positive thing.
0: This is this was darker and grimier than pretty much every bad movie I've ever seen and there are, I have seen so many bad movies. Mm. It's unbelievable. It was like somebody had put it into black and white but forgotten to do any saturation. Right,
1: exactly. So, most horror films are really dark and dull but then usually the monster, the antagonist, or the protagonist is usually quite brightly dressed or you make a point of a colour, usually red, At the point of the colour is...
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I watched. Sorry, I watched the Wolfman remake with Benicio del Toro this morning. Um, They make great use of white and black. They like they juxtapose them together so that the white was the whitest thing you've ever seen, the black was Mm -hmm. the blackest thing you've ever seen, and they'd have like a navy blue, and it looked really cool. Yeah, despite the fact that they didn't have generally much actual color in the film is very is a very sort of uh dark yeah film, so, so that's you know. the
1: lighting um and the problem here they they didn't use any lighting i mean that's the first mistake you make as a filmmaker it takes you a, a good couple of movies to realize how important lighting is in a film so you could have no color i mean the whole thing could be grey. but if they were using light effectively your axes would be bouncing off the background so I mean there's so many times when like zombies are literally killing someone and i'm looking in the background at a door that's brighter than the action
0: necessarily i don't know how to make a movie but surely if you're working on this kind of budget you would make a film in which you can have light outdoor scenes
1: i mean a lot of low-budget horror films are set in a forest for a reason yeah um a yeah. prison, I imagine, is a very dark, gloomy place to try and shoot a film.
0: The worst film I ever watched, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it is still the worst film I've ever watched. But they, at, least, at the very least, they set that in a snowy tundra.
1: Okay.
0: So there was white, there was sunshine, and there was red jackets. <laughs> that's all I could have asked for, and that's all they delivered me. But that was superior to yeah. this.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, after um, an actor's delivery, like believing what an actor is saying, the next most important thing is the lighting. That's how important it is for a film. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we are, but like people are raving about like crazy. Uh, I do want to talk about Roddy Piper's fight scene where bag play. This was
0: the bit. This was the bit where Matt Hardy gets uh, split in half, yep. and because they didn't do any sort of special effects of him getting split in half. They just put his lower body in a shadow, <laughs> which I felt pretty funny. Um, and then Jim Duggan does the honors of, of putting half a Hardy out of his misery. Mm. Then then you miss Duggan. Duggan gets eaten by zombies because uh, Shane Douglas leaves him for dead. Yeah. And I noticed at this point that Shane Douglas has got tape around his thumb, like the pure wrestling carny that it, he that it is. Even for the movie, Shane's taping up his up his fingers like the wrestlers love to an do. A, Give me some of an, that tape. an absolute there. professional. That's what he is. He comes across as incredibly dislikable, mate. He,
1: we, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't want to support him as a as the leading man. Um, I want to support Roddy Piper, especially later on, after we see Jim Doggan turn into a zombie. Roddy Piper comes into a room. And looks at him, like, with longingness, and starts to tear up for his his brother that has been turned into a zombie. Like, the only point in the movie I actually believed anyone had any emotion.
0: This was my second favourite part of the movie.
1: Mm.
0: It was a potent drama, this, mate. I nearly shed a fucking tear. I mean, it's... That Duggan's, like, chewing on an arm and looking animalistic and just like dumb in the head and Roddy's like oh my my old my old friend of 30 years you know until he finally puts him out of his misery this was actually a decent little scene for a bad movie
1: no one else came close to Roddy Piper's acting ability here not even close
0: Duggan was was all right throughout this as well Duggan was just kind of playing himself there was no sort of forced script writing with him He, he was obviously just Having a blast and running through a prison complex, you know.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, but for what he did do, you couldn't really fuck up.
0: Well, Matt Hardy wasn't great. Matt Hardy mate. was
1: awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Roddy
0: Piper gets his own metal bagpipes music because yeah. he beats up loads of zombies. I already mentioned that, no? No, but you mentioned it in passing. Okay. But he does loads of one liners, and what is in the sink? But a coconut. Which he's he smashes over a zombie's head, which is a reference to him smashing a coconut over Jimmy Snooker's head.
1: Okay, I didn't know that. And then
0: he he says that the the line of the film where he says, uh, first time I've ever had the pencil when he locks he locks the door with a pencil. Oh, okay. He's never been a booker before, yeah, man. Yeah. So they get outside anyway.
1: uh so shane douglas has left so many people for dead. he literally watched a job of die on cctv and laughed
0: um oh did you did you see the point where he's he says um you think you can handle a franchise come and fucking get it and then like he awkward he proceeds to awkwardly break a, a lock and run away is that how we transition to outside it's following him running away yeah yeah, yeah. So like he says, come and get it. I thought he meant come and get it, like, come and get it, I'm going to fight you. Mm. He actually meant, come and get it, I'm going to run away, you can run after me.
1: Yeah, the The final act of the movie is a sloppy mess. They just they run up a hill, there's some fighting. The bad guy comes up the hill with even more zombies, some fighting.
0: Minecraft sound effects.
1: I, th- I thought Roddy Piper was dying at one point and then he was fine. Um, Shane Douglas has like the final standoff against the
0: boss. Shane Douglas runs a lot in this movie, but always seems continuously out of breath. <laughs> and, uh,
1: Not a good look, is it?
0: <laughs> no, like, I assume the idea behind it was I'm running a lot. But the, did you notice the bad guy bears quite the resemblance to like old man Tommy Dreamer, even with the bags under the eyes? Did he? Yeah, I thought so. Oh, I d- he looks like. Impact 2019, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, I
1: didn't take that in. I'd have to go look at it again. Shane Douglas is just living out his dream of killing Tommy Dreamer because Tommy Dreamer was Paul Heyman's best friend.
0: <laughs> it all goes back to the wrestling politics, man. Yeah. Uh, Roddy shouts that the bad guy's a weekend warrior and then says, I beat cancer. This ain't <laughs> Yeah, nothing.
1: I caught that one. That's just an awkward line. <laughs> <It's> not necessary. <laughs>
0: Um, um. I. I feel like this was the very least of this film's worries, by the way. But I had to turn this volume up and down the whole movie. Like sometimes it would be, my TV would be on 85 and I couldn't hear the dialogue. And sometimes I would have to turn it down all the way to 20 because the music that is pummeling itself out of my... TV screen is is probably affecting the ears of my downstairs neighbor.
1: Yeah, the music was all over the place. Uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, but also the ADR was so awful. Do you know? You know what ADR is?
0: No, what is ADR for? For the non cinematic so, people, right? basically,
1: when you can't take decent audio on location, or for there's too much background noise, or or it's just messed up for whatever reason, you have to record it in a sound booth in the edit. And you might think that's sloppy filmmaking, but no, most Hollywood films, like a good 70% of dialogue is actually ADR. The actors have to redo their lines after they've shot the movie. Um, And they've obviously done that here, but they've not mixed in the levels of the volume correctly. So they're they're talking in the location, how it would sound inside of a room. And then there's really clear, crisp audio, about five times louder um, (laughs) as a response. And the two things just don't
0: mix well. completely
1: took me out of pretty much all the conversations.
0: Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that, man. Isn't that like very, very basic cinema Yeah, just get your audio
1: right because great audio is not noticeable unfortunately, but bad audio is the worst thing for a movie because it's so noticeable.
0: Well, apparently the the sound department person that uh, did this was also the sound department person producer writer and actress of breeding farm so okay there you go
1: so so is that just the director's girlfriend i would assume so okay keep it in the family i suppose
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's all about family man that's what shane douglas says that's what roddy says roddy says it's well, that's a great
1: transition to the fact that Shane Douglas has to murder his zombie family. He has to. He takes very. He takes great pride in killing his uh, um, sister-in-law, and then he has to kill his brother, which he's very, oh, very. Oh man! And then Roddy Piper kills his nephew. This was so
0: bad. This was so bad. I. I... This. This. So I assume from from the director writers uh perspective this was the emotional centerpiece mm-hmm. of the film which came off as incredibly sadomasochistic just imagine for a second that what you watched there that nephew that 10 year old wasn't a zombie in the movie yeah you just watched shane douglas break the neck of a 10 year old child and then from that, you're supposed to feel empathy for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: That's, that's, a, that's what's messed up here. It's, none of this is making me want to uh, support Shane Douglas anymore.
0: I don't think I've ever watched a film in which a grown adult man breaks the neck of a 10-year-old on camera. I
1: get what they were trying to do here. Like, this is um the when the, good guy, the, the bad guy is closing in, the all-hope-is-lost all moment of the film. Um, he has to kill. I mean, it's a tro- it's a it's a zombie trope now, right? That like you see your zombie mom or your zombie wife, and you know that, that that's not the real person, but you got to kill them, but you can't do it because it looks like the person you love. Like every zombie movie does right. this, but they fail.
0: I get that. I, I mean, and and The Walking Dead did that sort of stuff to great effect. I, I think I watched the first five seasons of that, and some of it is really traumatizing, yeah. in a good way. But this literally just came off as Shane Douglas breaking a telework. No, no, I there. agree.
1: It's it's done so badly. I get what they were trying to go for, but they just completely missed the mark.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So Roddy Piper can't do... Uh, Shane Douglas can't kill his brother, so Roddy Piper does it for him.
0: Roddy kills Shane's mother because oh, Shane can't kill his okay. brother. He's a right. mother's boy
1: uh so the evil irish guy thinks that he's about to win um he kills the horny marketing woman um but then she's actually fine she's the only person in this film that gets bit by a zombie but then doesn't turn into a zombie i don't know why that's a thing
0: yo can you let me know what happened to shane douglas because i can't tell whether i fell asleep or went to get a beer i don't remember what happened to him where did he go what did he do? The last thing I remember Shane Douglas doing is breaking a child's neck. Oh, really weird. It's not Shane. Oh, yeah, it's... I remember something about him like getting choked yeah, or something. He get... but they'd never... Yeah, he, get, he gets outnumbered by zombies, but we don't see the,
1: the finale to that fight. And then the evil guy decides that he wants to kill Roddy Piper now instead of Shane Douglas, and they have the final fight. And Roddy Piper helps his girlfriend up even though she's technically now a zombie. The badass girl isn't dead for some reason. They make out underneath the American flag. The American flag is the closing image. Yeah, no, we
0: didn't do... no, see
1: Shane again. It's just, just, they just don't follow it up.
0: So I assume he just very, very quickly got choked to death.
1: Um, I mean, you, you saw a few oh, zombies go on him, so I assume like, he got eaten by the zombies, but then the girlfriend got bitten by a zombie too, and she didn't die, and then...
0: That final that final fight uh, with Roddy versus the bad guy.
1: Which lasted less <laughs> than 20 seconds.
0: Yeah, right. But not just that. I genuinely, this is not for the podcast. This is not a joke. The way that they edited it, I genuinely thought that Roddy Piper was hitting the ground in frustration yeah. because he just kept hitting the ground and they didn't put away from the shot enough so that it looked like he was hitting a person. And then they were cut to the bad guy who looked like he was rolling around in bed. Like he he did not look like he was being hit. There was no weapon hitting him. He just looked looked like he was rolling around on grass. And then they just let me know that Roddy Piper killed the bad guy. This was the worst. Oh my God. (laughs) This was the worst editing I have ever seen. Like it beats Hacksaw Jim Duggan hitting the top rope instead of a zombie and the zombie falling back. I this just this was two separate shots. One of a man rolling around on grass and one of a man hitting grass.
1: Yep. It w- America! <laughs> And then America flag just to make everything uh everything fine at the end uh Um, I feel like we're not critiquing a professional film. We're marketing some college student who we're about to tell he needs to go find a different vocation in life.
0: No, everything that we're saying about this, whether it's brutal or not, is deserved, because this was terrible. This this shouldn't have... Created by grown adults.
1: This shouldn't have gotten a a proper um, release, DVD release.
0: I mean, Roddy... God rest his soul. You know, Roddy looked like he was having fun, so that's that's that. You know, Shane Douglas wanted to promote his wrestling promotion, and probably made some dollar out of it. That's cool. What the fuck was Kurt Angle doing in this man? Jim Duggan's uh, retired. Matt, what is Matt Hardy doing in this? Matt Hardy and Kurt Angle. I I just don't understand why they chose to do. At least Kurt, I, I guess they were in the film less. But at least Kurt Angle had some like kicking ass scenes and he was there for a couple of minutes and he actually wanted a movie career. What 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 were Matt Hardy and Reby's guy doing So here? Kurt
1: Angle, I like, think... Why, probably, why bother? So Kurt Angle, I think, probably turned up for one day of shooting, right? Because he's only in two scenes. And he's trying to be an actor at this point. Matt Hardy, yeah. Was he unemployed at this point? Was he between promotions? Maybe.
0: 2014, I feel like... I feel like he was either... In impact or just come out of it? I feel like he was in. I feel like he was in impact going into that. Matt Hardy's career has been weird, man. I, because he had that. He was in TNA for like six months in 2010, and he was like a a really really bad alcoholic, drug addict at that point. And then he left, and he had like a period. And I I don't know whether it was this period, but he he had some dark times in the early 2010s.
1: Okay, well. I would say this is maybe just a great payday for them, but I doubt it was even that.
0: No, basically, what I'm saying is like Roddy Duggan, both enjoying retirement, having fun with it. Shane Douglas promoting his thing, uh, making a bit of cash. Uh, As you said, Kurt Angle just trying to kickstart a movie career, one day's filming. I don't understand what Matt Hardy was doing in this because he didn't even do anything. Maybe he just got talked into it by Shane Douglas. Is Shane Douglas actually friends with anyone? No. <laughs> I
1: think <laughs> probably not anymore after this.
0: Yeah. Oh well. This film overall showed me why most people sit on their asses at home watching TV while Vince pays them a check to do nothing. This is the bad side of independent wrestling. This is the scary side of independent wrestling where you're swimming and your head is not above water and you have to do projects like this to keep a bit of cash flow going. Or mm-hmm. this is the level of what you're getting involved with. Because let's face it, we are, they are not The Rock. They are not John Cena. They are not Batista. Those are a lucky three uh, who made it onto mainstream Hollywood. Steve Austin has got the most charisma in the world, but he never got past Steven Seagal level of directed DVD film for most wrestlers i feel like this 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 should be played dude at the developmental facility this should be like you watch this for an hour and a half this is what can happen to you yeah don't do drugs (laughs) listen to what we say
1: yeah It's, it's weird isn't it like you'd think every wrestler would just be able to transition into acting that they just would be able to do it but they can't
0: yeah it's really strange it's really strange. I was looking back. I was trying to think of wrestlers that aren't like the main guys that I'd seen in movies. And I actually remember a horror film on horror channel starring Chris Jericho and he was in it for like five minutes and he was great. I feel like it was, don't trust me on it, but I feel like it was called like Albino Farm. Okay. <laughs> Where he turns up as like a, a, a vampire rock star, I think. Sounds about right. Um that feels right. He was pretty good in that. But I, I don't feel like I don't genuinely generally yeah it is. Albino Farm and he's got like weird white hair. I don't feel like it's the wrestlers' lack of acting necessarily that stops them from being in films. Because the the film we're about to go on to, Goldberg was great in that man. You know, I, I feel like it's more the public's perception, Hollywood's perception, media's perception of wrestlers. They, they're not allowed a budget or a quality level of talent because people don't see sales in them. Because I, I feel like most of media, most of culture, still to this day, no matter how hard Vince McMahon tries, sees wrestling as one step up from porn, which is what this was. It was almost on middle level with yeah, porn. This, like, this was, was, yeah.
1: But, I mean, mainstream movies... do. do... <sighs> Does the average person even know who Matt Hardy is?
0: I mean, I don't feel like the average person knew who Batista was. Though. Exactly. Batista, Batista got through on his own. He did. I feel like people say they see wrestler and they don't touch. Mm. Yeah. And the only people that are bite are the same people that are distributing 2015 Jean-Val- Jean-Claude Van Damme films, you know? Yeah no disrespect on the legend's name but i think surely. that's what
1: happened with stone cold he was so famous as being a wrestler that he got typecast into the type of movies wrestling fans would like and the rock
0: the... what well, dude stone, stone cold out of everyone um was in my dream movie which was awful stone cold was the only wrestler that i'm aware of that actually had a movie with steven seagal like, he was on that level.
1: And I think um, The Rock was dangerously close to that as well, but he somehow managed to get the public on his side because he was doing... So- Disney. Yeah, he was doing some awful action films right at the beginning.
0: Rock managed to get into Disney, mm. I think. That was that was the key for it him. Ba- It'd be interesting to look into what actually happened to them. Rock did Disney. I don't know how Batista got there. Batista did it on really, his own merit. He-
1: Completely on his own merit.
0: But Batista... Batista again was doing these director DVD films, just like Steve Austin. House of the Rising Sun uh, what was that movie, the the Rob Van Dam movie, Wrong Side of Dark town. Side of the Town, or Wrong something. Side of Yeah. Town. So uh, I wonder what his hit was that got him onto eventually like Blade Runner and stuff.
1: James Bond.
0: Ah, maybe. Yeah,
1: I think. I mean, he started off just being the henchman in movies um, because he was uh, out of wrestling for a good couple just of get years. In, he had get into
0: a- galaxy, bro.
1: No, he must he's have done, into the galaxy. He must have done some stuff before that, surely. You can't just step into Marvel.
0: But Marvel, DC—that seems to be how the guys do it.
1: Uh, he was in Riddick.
0: John Cena's gone down a weird raunchy comedy route.
1: Yeah, that seems to be his thing—comedies.
0: He was playing—I uh, can't remember what he's playing, but he's—he's he's playing a, a anti-hero sort of superhero in the new Suicide Squad reboot, and he's managed. to procure himself a spin-off TV series before the movies. Yeah, even up. So John Cena ain't doing He's also playing Vin Diesel's brother on the new Fast and Furious. I
1: feel like Cena is just um I've got nothing to take away from Cena because yeah he is he's he's good in his own right, but I feel like he's riding the rock's wave. Everyone's seen now that oh these megastar wrestlers are good actors. And Cena
0: yeah, and Cena is
1: now and i think batista a little bit as well i think batista got into movies on his own merit i think but um, now that he's doing big movies everyone's seeing that oh it's like another rock
0: i haven't seen the blade runner reboot but based upon what i've seen of the 3 i would actually genuinely say that batista's the best batista actor
1: batista is one of my favorite actors of all time not even just wrestling related i love him
0: oh batista what well, all i remember from b- being really impressed with about batista was uh, hotel artemis yep don't know whether you've seen yeah. that yet he was so great in that he was just as little supporting role as the guy that was looking after i can't remember her name but the little girl from taxi driver all grown up um and they were sort of a, a post-apocalypse um care health care place for like yeah, criminals. a hospital for criminals wasn't it he was so good in that honestly yeah
1: his com- comedic timing is just on point and he can also do action stuff he's awesome i love it
0: Final rating for Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies? Minus
1: 2 out of 10.
0: (laughs) I think I'll go with a a good old 0.5. Cool. From this experience, Ben, are there any other wrestling-related or wrestling-starring movies, not including The Rock, you've still got on your checklist that you'd want to have a look? I don't
1: think I should be allowed to pick anymore.
0: No, I don't, think, I don't think you should <laughs> Which is ironic considering you're the movie guy But from now on I pick the wrestling movies Yeah
1: I feel like I lost that privilege
0: <laughs> well, Just just remember dude That not only did you make yourself sit through that But you also made me sit through that <laughs> And my girlfriend sit through that on On a Saturday night And not just that dude You made me take notes on it
1: I uh I I never I never forced your girlfriend to watch that. That was never part of the deal.
0: We're regularly in the same mood, yeah, no, believe no, it or no, not.
1: I know you are, but That was not
0: part of the deal. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. You just made a, a poor, like innocent person, part of this debacle, <laughs> and and made her suffer on prime time Saturday night after I finally finished work for the week. Do you know what we sit down and do with our dinner? <laughs>
1: You watched, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You watched Shane Douglas kill a ten-year-old boy,
0: and a, a man grope a woman as part of a sacrifice ritual.
1: Mm-hmm. To be fair, like I didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> so, you know.
0: Oh no, I I, am, I do not have a problem with this. I I went through some strange, unexpected, sometimes pleasing, sometimes traumatic routes this weekend to deliver this quality piece of entertainment. For every everybody across the world to enjoy and uh and I enjoyed the experience of experiencing Pro Wrestlers vs <laughs> Zombies.
1: Well, uh, as long as you get something out of it, I guess. Okay, so what are we doing next week? We haven't decided. Have we?
0: Well, it depends how long you want to drag the, the dead rotting corpse of this horror season out for really. I mean you?
1: I'm done with it. So
0: You're done with it three weeks before Halloween, mate. <laughs> So <laughs> okay. okay. we've, okay. we've been doing this fucking hot season since july we get to mid-october we're like nah fuck it <laughs>
1: <sighs> okay well yeah we'll, we'll, i guess two more weeks of horror is fine
0: We've come what horror have we got left uh, you' have, you you made us literally scrape the barrel today <laughs> what have we got there's,
1: um that's there's, there's there's stuff I guess we're gonna have to come over it right now we will just uh what you know what then
0: whatever whatever stuff it is you're not picking it because <laughs> <laughs> this week you made me watch pro wrestlers versus zombies. About a month and a half ago, you were like, oh, Ministry of Darkness would be a great idea. Uh... And then <laughs> maybe watch that for a month. You're, you're, not, you're not picking the next couple of weeks. No way in hell. You can forward ideas to me and I'll check them for length and quality.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, that's that's fair. I'll take that.
0: it's been a pleasure as always cool
1: so next week will just be
0: a surprise next week could be something like share and subscribe to keep it botched up brother